it's good to hear the stories with the children, right, and uh, get their perspective on what's going on at Christmas uh, and be able to hear uh, from, from their point of view uh, how they're processing all the things that are going on with Christmas. And it's, it's encouraging to, to be able to participate in that. Um, we've been spending the last several weeks looking at the story of Christmas and looking at the different imagery that, that is a part of our Christmas celebrations and a part of our Christmas stories. Um, the first Sunday we looked at light, the light of Christmas. And uh, the second um, Sunday we took a little bit of a turn and looked about at some different imagery from Revelation 12 and looked at the red dragon or Satan and the role that he plays in Christmas uh, and the war that breaks out at the birth of Jesus. And then last week we looked at angels, something a little bit more traditional, and uh, I looked at the imagery of the angels and the message the angels had, the message of, of the miracle and the mystery and the majesty of Christmas, and to be reminded about what Christmas really is about. And so today we are only a few days away from Christmas, and we're getting closer and closer, and so we are going to look at the image of the baby the baby of Jesus himself. And so in honor of the Star Wars premiere, uh, we're going to uh, talk a lot about robots today, as well as the image of uh, baby Jesus. Uh, and so indulge me a bit as we talk a little bit about robots. Uh, robots can uh, become very lovable uh, characters in movies, right? Uh, they can be uh, very entertaining. Uh, you think about the movie WALL-E and just the attachment that you have to that little that little metal box, uh, yes, Wally is, is, is close to our hearts. And even in the Star Wars movies, the, the memorable characters uh, include robots that, that are funny and, uh, and, and draw emotion out, out of us. Um, but we're, I'm going to talk about one type of robot that's called an animatronic. Okay, how many of you have been to Disney? Uh, how many of you have been to Disney very recently? <laughs> Uh, some of you just got back from Disney. Um, and so we, if, if you have ever been to Disneyland or Disney World, you have experienced animatronics. Um, even Chuck E. Cheese has animatronics, right? They have uh, uh, the, the robot band. I don't know if they still have those. They had them when I was a kid. They were a little creepy. Um, but, but the animatronics are these robotic characters that uh, represent something that's real or, or something that we like to think is real, and uh, we are not able to really discern uh, what is real and what's not. If, if, if it's a good animatronic, you will believe that it's the real thing. And so you go to Disney and you, you see something like the Hall of Presidents, and they get uh, more and more real as they, they progress over the years. And so you've got the Hall of Presidents where it's this room full of presidents who are, who are mostly dead, but you know, here they are alive on stage. Or, or something that is a little bit more fun, you've got uh, the, the um, country bear jamboree, right? Um, and so those bears are not real. I'm sorry to break it to you. Uh, but they, they like to sing and dance. And then my favorite is the Pirates of the Caribbean. And so you go to Pirates of the Caribbean, and, and if you've been there recently, they've added on a Jack Sparrow character at the end that is freakishly real, right? And you get to that, and you're like, oh, Johnny Depp is here. Um, but he's not, because the animatronic is done really, really well. And so here is a simple version of an animatronic on a church budget. Um, I don't have a Disney budget, I'm sorry. And so this is um, our little Olaf here, okay? I don't know if you can hear it. Hi, everyone. I'm Olaf, and I like warm hugs. He likes warm hugs. All right. He talks to you. I always love the idea of summer and sun. 
All things hot, yeah. All right, so, all right, so, so he talks to us and sings to us and kind of moves his arms, and so this is an amateur. Oh, this is the long one. He sings the whole song. All right, so we went to Disneyland a couple years ago and had the new Anna and Elsa Frozen display, and he, he just doesn't stop. And so, so we get, we're standing in line for three hours to see Anna and Elsa, and there is this Olaf uh, robot animatronic, Thank you. All right. Um, this Olaf animatronic at the front, and he's talking to people as they're waiting in line to see Anna and Elsa. And, and Clara, she's, she's sharp. And uh, she's like, that's not the real thing. That's not the real Olaf. He's, he's just a robot. And then we get in to see Anna and Elsa, and they are the real thing, right? <laughs> that is the real Anna and Elsa. So, so she can discern the difference between real and fake, right? Um, and so we've got these robots and these mechanical things uh, that represent something that is real, but we know it's not real. This is not a real snowman, and snowmen don't sing and dance. I'm sorry to break it to you, uh, but, but he's fun anyway. And so, um, but even in our nativity displays, in our Christmas decorations, the, the animatronics start to show up. So, so you've got the reindeer who does the bobbing head, you know, and he, he, he kind of bobs his head back and forth, or Santa who waves as people pass by. So in our, our Christmas displays, or in our nativity scenes, we've got uh, the, the, the sheep with the same robots underneath them that, that, that bob their heads, or, or the, the mechanical wise men who is, you know, putting out the gift to baby Jesus, or, or the shepherds who are, who are bowing. And this is all in an attempt to make it more realistic, right? And there's, there's even, um, there's th- this guy who has created this nativity scene, I couldn't get a really good video of it that wasn't like 45 minutes long, but, but he has created this baby Jesus that is so lifelike, you can see the chest come up and down and breathe. Now, now it starts to get really realistic, okay? And so baby Jesus is lying in this in this feed trough, and you can see the Jesus breathing. And if, if you have ever watched a baby sleeping at night, you, you look in that crib and you look for the breath. It's like, okay, yes, they are breathing. <laughs> every, pa- every parent has gone through that panic of, are they still breathing? Okay, good, I see the chest rising and falling. And these things come together to make it more realistic. It draws us into the story in some sort of way, but, but they're not real. These are only uh, representations of the real thing. Even a good animatronic, um, it, it, it draws us in, but they're still just robots. They're simply representations of the real flesh and blood human that they represent. And they can never replace the real thing. And so we're celebrating Christmas, and we have this imagery of Christmas, and we have these children's stories, and we light candles, and and there's all these different components of of what Christmas is all about. And there's nothing fake about it, and there's nothing pretend about it. And it's easy for us to get caught up into the routineness of these stories and, and think that it's something robotic, but it's not. This is the real thing. God coming to us in the real person of Jesus, the baby that's wrapped in, in swaddling clothes and lying in this feed trough is, is not some human-like version of a person. Instead, this is very real. He's a very real human being, born and living and breathing just like you and I are born and breathing. And so today we're going to take a look at Christmas Uh, from yet yet another angle, and we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 5. Let me take a break over here. 
Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said. So Christ came into the world, and he says this, and he quotes from Psalms here. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. So first he said sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance to the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so the author of Hebrews here is reflecting on Psalms chapter, or Psalm 40, uh, verses 6 through 8, and he's reflecting on it through the lens of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And so he, he comes in and brings this perspective to us. It provides this prophetic word about the Christ that was written long, long before Christ was ever even born. And so in verses 5 through 7, we've got the writer that is explicitly making this connection between, with Christ uh, in the very first lines. He says, when Christ came into the world. So when Christ came into the world, which means he came. He was actually here. And then he cites the psalm, and he attributes it as a quote to, of Jesus. Now, Jesus did not uh, sing this psalm, but he's using it and quoting it for him. And he, he's using it as, as a prophetic statement about who Jesus is. Jesus came, and he says, the body you have prepared for me. So Jesus is addressing God here, and he says, the body that you've prepared for me. Jesus has a body. God gives him a body and, and prepares it for him, and Jesus comes to us, and this body is his. There's not an animatronic Jesus here. There's nothing fake. There's, there's nothing that's pretend. This is the real God. This is the real thing, the real Jesus, the real Messiah that has come to us. He's the one that it was written about in the scroll who has come to do God's will. And Jesus comes with a very clear mission. He, he was the one whom God intended to send. And God sent his own son to show us our way back to God. And so the author of, of Hebrews comes in here and he tells us that God brought his divine presence to us in the person of Jesus. He came into this world not as some other being. He's, he's not an angel like we talked about last week. He's not some figment of our imagination. He's not some other kind of being. He comes in with a body, and God prepared it for him. It wasn't fake. It wasn't animatronic. It was the Son of God coming here. This is a human body. It's a human Jesus and yet at the same time, still the Son of God. And so like we talked about last week, this is a great mystery. How, how does God become flesh? And this is the mystery that we embrace through our celebration of Christmas, that God actually became flesh. 
The baby that was born in Bethlehem, the toddler that was a refugee in Egypt, the boy who was getting lost in the temple, the young craftsman working with his father, the the man who walked the streets of Galilee and Jerusalem, healing the sick and feeding the hungry. This is a real human being. He was a very real human. And he, he needed food, he needed sleep, he, he worked, he had a family, he had friends, he was tempted in every way that we're tempted. He was very real. He wasn't dwelling in a body that looked like he was breathing in a manger. He didn't look real, he was real. He was the real child who, who needed oxygen like us. He was a baby who grew as we grow into adults who, who exercise and get tired and, and need rest. He didn't just look like us. He didn't represent us. His body had a mind, a will, and emotions. He was fully human. And can we really get our mind around that. Every bit of him, his, his body was like ours. He was strong but fragile. He was deeply caring and emotional but still vulnerable. And so the baby that we celebrate at Christmas, this baby that, that is born in a stable, is the very real presence of God. The very real presence of God. And the, he is alive in, in a very real human that would later go on to a cross for our sins. And so this is who we celebrate at Christmas. He felt the physical pain of the crucifixion and the emotional pain of facing death. And so anyone who implies that Jesus is is detached from some sort of physical body, anyone who says that that Jesus was not really born in the flesh, they're incorrect. Because we confess and we believe that Christ did not simply inhabit a body, but he was human. The body of Jesus, the the body and and Jesus' connection to that body were essential to what God was trying to do through Jesus. If we don't have the virgin birth, then we don't get to the cross. If we don't have Jesus in the flesh, then we don't have the flesh sacrificed on the cross. 1 John 1 tells us that that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. The life, Jesus appeared, we have seen it and we testified to it. So there were witnesses that saw Jesus. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So they've seen it, they have heard it, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was someone that the disciples saw, someone that they they saw with their own hands, someone that they could touch with their own hands, and they testify to it. They believe in this. Jesus comes to them in the flesh, sent by God, and they have fellowship with God and with the Son because of it. 
And so the significance of Jesus coming in the flesh is critical to our understanding of our relationship with God. The author of Hebrews points out the old sacrificial system in connection to the coming of of Jesus and the importance of him having a physical body and being human. Under the Old Testament law, they were required to make sacrifices uh, to be able to be in relationship with God. And so their sheep and goats and, and bulls, they would sacrifice on an altar for the forgiveness of their sins. And it was through this shedding of blood that they were reconciled with God. The only problem is, is they had to keep making those sacrifices. And the sacrifices had to be repeated and repeated and repeated. And so what the the text in in the, the, the psalm here reminds us is that God desires more than a sacrifice of animals. That that old system of being, God wants more than that. He wants more than just putting an animal on an altar. God wants something more. He has an ultimate desire for us to live his way. God doesn't want us just to make the sacrifice of an animal. He wants us to be obedient to his will. He wants us to live a life that he calls us to. And so instead of the old animal sacrifice system, God sends his son in the flesh who obediently does the will of the Father. He sends his son, Jesus, to serve as a sacrifice, to be the final sacrifice. And so Jesus' death on the cross is that final sacrifice, the once and for all, and through which our sins are forgiven and our relationship with God and his kingdom is restored. And so this is why the birth of Jesus is so important. Did Jesus come and, be, and, and become human? Did he have a body? Did he have blood? Because, of, because all of that leads us to the cross. And so there's no more animal sacrifices. There's no more trying to do it on our own. Jesus takes care of it for us. Jesus takes that to the cross as a final sacrifice. And so we're called to receive that gift. We're called to believe in him and follow Jesus' example of obedience. He says that it's his, he is doing the will of God. And so we are called to do the will of God as well. And so as as Jesus gave his very real body over to the will of God, we too are called to give over our body to the will of God. We're called to surrender Our life is no longer our own. It's been bought with a price. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And so our bodies are no longer our own because, because of what Jesus does for us on the cross, because of, of what happens to his body, now our bodies are used for something else. And we surrender that to God. We sacrifice that to him. We receive this incredible gift from God. And we're freed from our sins and we become temples of the Holy Spirit. And so what kind of temples are we? What kind of temples are we becoming as the Spirit dwells in us, 
And so this is the missionary heart of God, as, as he sends his son, because he, he loves us so much that he sends his son in the flesh to bring the good news of salvation, a salvation that is, is not found in the old sacrifices that we have to repeatedly do, but it's in him becoming the sacrifice. And that's what completely transforms our lives. And so as we, we look at the nativity scenes, as we look at the imagery of Christmas, as, as we get into these final few days of, of Christmas, remember that the baby in the manger, even if it is robotic and believable in, in breathing, that baby that we celebrate is very real. And that is what we are convicted of. That is what we celebrate. The baby in the manger is a very real human being just like us. He loved and was loved. He celebrated and he laughed. He was energetic at times. He was hungry and tired at other times. And, and just like us, he knew joy of, and celebration, but he felt pain and loneliness. Jesus is real. This past summer, uh, an organization called DARPA, which is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency of the U.S. Department of Defense, um, held its finals of a multi-year robotics competition where, where engineers around the world gathered together uh, to, to, come up with this uh, to come up with robots that go through this contest. And so the contest challenged teams of the very best engineers, designers, and computer programmers from around the world to create these robots that could per perform a series of skills. And so these robots have to go through this obstacle course. And the reason that it was launched was because of the, the nuclear disaster in Japan in 2011. Um, it was kind of born out of that event that they said, we need robots that are capable of going into situations that humans can't go into. Uh, to provide humanitarian aid. And so the challenges that these robots go through are very specific to, to being able to go into a situation where they have to climb stairs or, or maybe even drive a Jeep or be able to break through a door or be able to go into places uh, that humans can't go. And so they have this competition to create robots that are capable of, do that, to, capable of doing this. And so Jill Pratt, the organizer of this challenge, um, was surprised by the response of the audience, the spectators who were watching this, uh, because there was this connection to the robots. That as they would, would go through these different challenges, there became this emotional connection of, of cheering for them, or, or the oh if they fell, or the, 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 the interaction, just as if they were humans that they were watching. Pratt said this, these robots are big and made, lots, made of lots of metal, and you might assume people seeing them would be filled with fear and anxiety. But that wasn't how people responded. Instead, the human spectators seemed to connect emotionally with the robots, or at least at times with, or at least with the teams who had designed, created, and were running them. We heard groans of sympathy when those robots fell. And what did people do every time a robot scored a point? They cheered. It's an extraordinary thing. And so we can have this, this emotional connection even to robots. 
these things that were created by us, that are going through this obstacle course. And so what greater connection do we have with the creator of the universe, sending his son, not as a robot, not as something that was fake, but as something very, very real. What does that tell us about our God? We can get connected to Disney animatronics. We can enjoy Olaf as he sings a song to us. We can ooh and ah over the waving Santa in someone's overdone front lawn. We find joy in those things. But what greater joy is found in the love of a God who would send his son in the flesh for us. Jesus is not just human-like, but a real human baby. And this is the miracle of Christmas. This is what we celebrate. And so the one that Mary holds and nurses, the one who cannot walk or talk or, or even hold up his head, this is the one who needs a diaper changed. But this is God in the flesh. Come to make us holy. Come to bring us salvation. And this is the, the same baby who would grow up and become the one who was fully obedient to God, even if that obedience meant giving himself up as a sacrifice to be crucified. And so through his painful sacrifice, a very real body dying on the cross, we are made whole. And so as we go through these children's stories, as we see the nativity scenes, as we, we go through the imagery of Christmas this week, it's not something that's just cute. This is very real. This is the love of a missionary God sending his son for us. Let's stand together. We're going to spend some time in prayer, knowing that this is a season of love, knowing that this is a season of joy and, and peace. This is, a, this is a time for us to, to celebrate the coming of God in the form of Jesus. Um, but it's, an, it's also a time where we are discouraged, we're hectic, we hurt, we mourn, we remember those that aren't with us. And so it's a time for us to share the joy with others and stand in that gap for others uh, when, when they're not feeling it. And so we want to spend some time encouraging one, one another, praying for one another. Uh, we'll have the shepherds down front or, or in the back or around. Uh, you can pray with one of them. You can come and pray with me. Uh, pray for one another. Uh, go across the room and encourage one another. Uh, wish them a Merry Christmas. Uh, in the very truest sense of what that means. That Jesus is very real, and he comes and shows such incredible love for us. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for this time of year that we can celebrate him. Uh, God, we celebrate him in every part of our life.
And we thank you for, for your great love that you would send your son to live a human life and die for us on the cross. God, we pray that you help us to find the joy in that, the peace in that, the love that's found in that. It's in his name we pray, amen.